The Mainzhou Foundation on Monday announced that former President Mainzhou will be visiting China later this month. The purpose of the visit is to, for Ma to pay respects to his ancestors in the city of Changsha. The foundation says Ma is not scheduled to meet with any Chinese officials. Instead, he'll be leading a delegation of young academics to carry out exchanges with Chinese students. The itinerary features many stops at sites memorializing the victims of the Second Sino-Japanese War. Former President Ma Ying-jeou is going abroad. His destination, China. Former President Ma will be going to mainland China to pay respects to his ancestors from March 27th to April 7th. He will also be leading a delegation of young scholars. Ma will be the first former president of Taiwan to visit China since the relocation of the ROC government to Taiwan in 1949. Former President Chen and President Tsai have all gone before, but President Ma has never been to the mainland. He is now in his 70s and COVID travel restrictions have been lifted. So considering that and the importance of funerary rites in Chinese culture, he should be allowed to go to the mainland to worship his ancestors, to show his filial piety. I think this is something that Taiwanese people would agree with. Ma will travel with his four sisters and about 30 young academics. According to the itinerary released by the Ma Yingzhou Foundation, Ma will set off for Shanghai on March 27th and take the high-speed rail to Nanjing. There, he will visit Dr. Sun Yat-sen's mausoleum on the 28th and a memorial hall for the victims of the Nanjing massacre. Ma will also go to Wuhan to visit a memorial for the Wuchang uprising and hold a seminar with students at Wuhan University. He's scheduled to go to his ancestral home Changsha on April 1st. On April 3rd, he's set to visit a war museum in Chongqing. Then it's back to Shanghai on April 6th, where he'll sit with students from Fudan University and visit the Sihang Warehouse, a former wartime battleground. Ma's schedule is packed with engagements with students, as well as sites related to China's resistance of Japanese troops in World War II. Getting young people on both sides of the strait to know each other and have deep exchanges is better than buying more weapons. The visits to war sites is to remind our young friends to not forget the war tragedies that occurred then to treasure this hard-won cross-strait peace. Back in 2015, Ma sat with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in Singapore. Ma's spokesperson says there is no second meeting with Xi on the schedule. This trip is just for Ma to go to the mainland and pay respects to his ancestors. So the itinerary is all in central China, with no plans to go to Beijing. What level officials will he meet? They are guests there, so they'll abide by the arrangement of the hosts. The spokesperson says the trip is just for Ma to visit his roots. But some observers are skeptical, saying the trip overlaps with President Tsai Ing-wen's visit to Central American allies in March and April, which includes a transit in the U.S. We've been planning this trip since before the Lunar New Year. We did not know that President Tsai was going to travel to the U.S. It's just a coincidence. Ma Ying-jeou is marking another personal milestone. He loves being the first to do things. The international community is gradually becoming aware that Xi Jinping is using military force to harm the people of Taiwan. But Xi Jinping says that he isn't, that he's being good to Taiwan. And then Ma Ying-jeou comes up to endorse that narrative, whitewashing the aggression. According to the Classified National Security Information Protection Act, retired presidents and vice presidents require the approval from the incumbent president to visit China in the five years after their retirement. 
For Ma, that rule expired on May 20, 2021, but other rules still apply, and he is required to report the visit and to present the relevant documentation before and after the trip. Reacting to Ma's upcoming trip, the DPP denounced the former president for disregarding the dissatisfaction of the Taiwanese people toward China. The DPP said it was unacceptable for a former head of state to be a pawn for China's unification campaign. The CCP has continued to threaten Taiwan with military force and diplomatic isolation. It just manipulated a change in the diplomatic relations between our country and Honduras. Former President Ma's visit to China at such a time is in complete disregard of the dissatisfaction of the Taiwanese people. I believe that the Taiwan public won't be able to accept its former head of state becoming a pawn of the CCP's unification campaign. The DPP accused Ma of cooperating with China's United Front campaign. Meanwhile, the presidential office issued a statement saying that Ma had notified the office of the trip. The office said that it respects it respected Ma's plan to visit, but hoped he would act in line with national interests and national sentiment. The 6,000 NT cash handouts from last year's tax surplus are about to roll out. In a Monday press conference, the finance ministry said the first handouts could be distributed as early as April 6th. The window to collect them will be open for at least six months. Registration for direct bank transfers will open this Wednesday. More collection methods such as via ATMs will be introduced starting April 10th. There will be at least six months of time, more than six months, so there is no need to rush. If it were me, I would wait until nobody is collecting the handouts to go pick mine up. I assure you, it will only take a few seconds. Deputy Finance Minister Run Qinghua says there is no need to rush to register for the 6,000 NT handouts. In the first few days, registration will be limited based on the last digit of the applicant's ID or ARC. Starting March 22nd, registration will open for numbers ending in 0 and 1, with the following four days open to different sets of numbers. After March 27th, registration will open to everyone. The biggest problem right now is that the budget hasn't been approved yet, so I can't tell you exactly which day the money will be handed out. The handouts can be given out five working days after the budget enters effect. The budget is expected to pass its third reading in the Legislative Yuan on Friday. On Saturday, it will be sent to the presidential office for a signature and enter effect on Monday. Then, five working days will be needed to process the required banking procedures. If all goes smoothly, the 6,000 NT handouts will start going out after the Qingming Festival long weekend on April 6. There are other ways to receive the handout besides a bank transfer. The money can also be collected at some 26,000 ATMs from 13 financial institutions. Another option is to take your NHI card to collect the cash from a post office. The handouts can also be collected on behalf of family and friends. From April 10th, the ATM services will go live. And from April 17th, the handouts can be collected as cash at post offices. You most likely won't be able to change the collection method after you've registered. Once you've registered, you can't collect the handout via other channels. If you try to do that, the system will lock you out. 
People who have previously collected labor insurance or national pensions will get the money transferred straight to their accounts. In remote communities, police stations will distribute the handouts. Eligible groups include Taiwan nationals, resident spouses of Taiwanese nationals, and foreign nationals with permanent residency. Tech leaders came together on Monday at a summit about globalization and its decline. They weighed in on recent remarks by TSMC founder Morris Chang, who said that globalization was dead and that free trade was almost dead. In response, the chair of Pegatron said that the spirit of free trade would return when international relations improve. Meanwhile, the founder of Etron Technology said the more pressing issue right now was the global economy. Former AIT Chair Richard C. Bush was a keynote speaker at a summit about declining globalization, where the emphasis was on Taiwan-U.S.-China relations. The event was attended by many tech leaders. Friction between countries and international tensions have an impact on consumers and enterprises. When that happens, it feels as if free trade were dead. When the benefits of trade outweigh conflict, that's when free trade makes a comeback. The remarks came just days after TSMC founder Morris Chang said that globalization in the chip sector was dead and that free trade was almost dead. Chang claimed that restrictions on semiconductor trade would only fuel inflation and drive up costs. I don't know. I think Morris Chang meant that globalization and free trade are facing challenges. It's not a matter of them being dead or not. It's hard to tell. I think that humanity is reliant on high-tech chips, so the economy can't stop flowing. If it does, it would be terrible. What I think we should be more pessimistic about is the economic downturn. The industry heavyweight says that the current economic climate is a more pressing issue than globalization and free trade. He says that getting the economy back on its legs is the most important task at hand. There's a sea of change underway in the arcade business. Traditionally, Taiwanese arcades were individual businesses. Sometimes a single claw machine was the entire venture. Now, much larger chains of giant arcades are gaining ground. They don't necessarily lure consumers in with toys. Instead, they dangle snacks and everyday items. We spoke to a business expert to find out more about the trend. He says it's an import from Japan where arcades full of everyday items have become big business. A visitor changes a bill for a handful of coins and prepares to attack the claw machine. But this arcade is not touting plushies or plastic toys. These baskets full of winnings overflow with candy, crackers, and drinks. Just push in a coin to give it a try. Consumers keep coming back for more. Drinks in Ferrero Rocher are the simplest prizes to win. This one-star difficulty level is achievable even for kids, claims the arcade. But more stars means more difficulty. This well-practiced expert is going for a five-star household item. When there's a tiny element of gambling, I want to keep refining my skill or challenging myself and I give it another try. Can I get the one-star, the two-star, the three-star? It goes up and up. Psychologically, we enjoy it and we want to challenge ourselves and we're not bothered about whether we get the prize or not or how many prizes we got. The arcade employs more than a dozen part-time workers. They constantly rotate the locations and numbers of the prizes in this arcade of almost 100 ping. 
There are more than 80 machines here, and 90% contain snacks. There's a parking lot in the basement, so no need to fear how consumers will cart away their mountains of winnings. The chain arcade has almost 10 locations nationwide, and at weekends, they're full to bursting. An arcade used to be able to operate as a single location or a single machine, but now I want more, and in that case I need lots of stock. If I have lots of stock, I can push down the costs. 80% of consumers are just coming to have fun. 20% are more about the skills. You balance them and then expand the locations, and then more people will come in. Then, of course, economies of scale start to appear. In the old days, a claw machine with toys inside was enough of an excitement. Now that the scale has ramped up, consumers can be kept entertained for longer by a wide choice of machines, as this large-scale arcade format becomes the norm. Starting Monday, mild COVID cases are exempt from self-isolation. Employees and students can still take leave with proof of a positive COVID test. At one primary school in Taipei, parents had fears that infection would spread faster under the new policy. School administrators advised those who test positive to still stay home and rest. Taiwan has ended mandatory self-isolation for mild COVID cases, but students who test positive can still take leave without being marked absent or having their grades affected. Parents can also take pandemic care leave. There might be a positive COVID case that others are unaware of. Without a mask on, it's easier to spread the infection. Of course we're still worried. It's more dangerous for the children when they're not wearing masks. These parents have qualms about their kids going mask-free. Even under the new policy, if sick teachers can't work from home, they're still able to take sick leave. With parents anxious over Taiwan's policy change, one Taipei school still wants positive COVID cases to stay home. If I don't have any obvious symptoms, I might still choose to come to work. However, if I have more obvious symptoms like a fever or a cough, I will take leave and stay home. They should rest at home if they can. The school says that students who do attend class won't be seated apart to prevent flagging them as a positive case. With the policy change, isolation and case reporting are no longer required. Once again, COVID patients can receive in-person medical treatment. Benches are placed outside the clinic. Patients with symptoms are sent to this area, and doctors step out to provide care. Actually, most clinics have this sort of arrangement for patient flow. Some clinics are diagnosing and treating patients outdoors. With the pandemic subsiding, such arrangements will gradually be phased out. Taiwan's COVID rules are easing, with case reporting, notification and follow-up protocols lifted for all mild cases on Monday. However, provisions on free COVID medication and hospitalization will stay unchanged. With the pandemic subsiding, vaccine uptake has fallen off. In a new announcement, the Taiwan CDC wants everyone to get at least one BA5 COVID booster this year. Let's hear from the experts. The Taiwan CDC wants to reset to zero to administer one or two doses a year. This is actually the direction that's being taken in countries all over the world. You don't need to keep track of how many doses you had before. Start counting from this year. 
Basically, you will get one dose this year, and if you're high risk, you will get two doses. If you haven't had a booster yet, hurry up and get one. So it's one dose per year. There will be no enforcement because vaccine uptake is not mandatory. There are still one million vaccine doses remaining from Taiwan's purchase last year. 15 million more doses are due to arrive this year, which means Taiwan will face a glut of vaccines. Health officials say they will formulate clear vaccine guidelines as soon as possible to prevent the vaccines from being wasted. Yushan and its surrounding peaks make up one of Taiwan's most spectacular mountain ranges. Lots of hikers head for the renowned Paiyun Lodge, situated more than 3,000 meters above sea level. And for 20 years, visitors have been served by the Yushan Medical Team, which gives medical support to patients high in the mountains. Now, the team has expanded the clinic to open on weekends. Officials say the expansion will help even more people assess the wonders of nature without unnecessary anxieties about their health. <laughs> A doctor from the Yushan medical team conducts an appointment with a hiker who feels unwell. His kindly delivered medical advice is reassuring. We're here at Paiyun Lodge, a must-visit trail on Yushan, with a dizzying altitude of 3,402 metres above sea level. <laughs> The team is composed of medical professionals from Nantou's Jushan Shoujuan Hospital. It was formed 20 years ago. Originally, they just held one clinic a week. But from March the 1st, they've added a day and now operate every Saturday and Sunday. Of course, it is really limited what a medical team can do on the spot, so high up in the mountains, using limited staff, limited medical provisions, limited injectables and some external applications. But the most important work we do is giving hikers a guarantee of confidence. The team has been a godsend for hikers since its inception, allowing nature lovers to take to the mountains without unnecessary doubts about their health. Yushan National Park Administration, which runs Paiyun Lodge, has applauded the team's work. Now, with the Mountain Clinic Medical Services on both Saturday and Sunday, it will be a huge help for hikers. The team includes one doctor, two nurses and two assistants. All are avid hikers and love to put their expertise to work in the service of other mountain lovers. The coach industry is facing a labor crisis. The industry is struggling to attract talent. Many students who learn how to drive a large vehicle decide not to enter the industry. Tour coaches also face legislation that exacerbates the shortage of drivers. Now the government is dangling subsidies in front of drivers who stay with the job and relaxing rules on the age at which drivers must retire. But experts say it's not enough. He hops on his tour bus, ready for work. By law, journeys lasting over 11 hours require two drivers on board. But with a serious labour shortage, this driver says he's been forced to change his schedule and drive shorter trips. One in five coaches doesn't have a driver. That's the situation we're in. A one-day tour has become two days. Two days have become three days. It significantly raised the costs for our consumers and also for us as businesses. And it means that customers are less interested in booking coaches. 
Statistics show that the number of working coach drivers fell 20% from 2019 to 2022, from approximately 5,300 to 4,300. A new talent retention subsidy from the Directorate General of Highways gave financial support to almost 500 coach drivers last year. But experts say the industry still faces a shortfall of thousands of drivers. I think more people are training to get a coach driving licence, but it's possible that only a few of them actually use that licence professionally. As soon as they hear how long the hours are, they all want to beat a retreat. Driving coaches is more tiring. Driving a truck, it doesn't matter if the goods get damaged. And the salary for truck drivers is higher. At this coach driving school, leaflets advertise jobs at a wide range of coach companies, but few students decide to enter the industry. To fill the gap, the transport ministry now allows retired drivers aged 65 to 68 to drive shuttle buses. But operators say the only way to solve the shortage is to also allow them to drive tour buses. After two years and nine months of construction, the foremost census train went on its first test run on Monday. There was a big buzz at the train station as railway fans rushed to take pictures. The foremost census has six carriages, each with 18 seats. The new train has big windows, leather seats, and storage tables. It's lined with domestically harvested cypress wood and has a look of comfort and elegance. In addition, damping devices have been added to the mechanical structure to make the ride smoother. Test runs are expected to be completed in June. The train will enter service on the Alishan Railway in the second half of the year.